Hello, all, and welcome to episode 19 of Geeks and Games. I'm Tiger, and as always, I'm joined by Yoshimitsu. Hello! <laughs> Sorry. Kind of oh, just took you, kind of cut you off guard there. A little bit, yeah. I was, like, almost waiting for you to say it. But then you didn't. Oh, that. <laughs> yeah, and as that. always, we're not joined by Plague Vamp. All right, well, yeah, that. <laughs> um... Anyway, let's get into the news. Jumping into things, the Nintendo announced a new amiibo to coincide with the release of Skyward Sword HD, which is Zelda with a loft wing, and it is a teeny bit bigger than a regular amiibo, but it's not like a giant size one like the Yarn Yoshis were when they came out. Um, moving on to something that's a bit more sad. The YouTuber Popular MMOs has been arrested and sent to jail because he allegedly abused his girlfriend, but he said that those claims were false. So I'm not 100% sure. And Nintendo has added five games to the Switch Online service to be played through the NES or Super Nintendo thing. And surprise, it's not games people actually want like Earthbound or Mario RPG. Or a mother three, I guess. But somebody actually did make a mock-up of what a Game Boy Advance game screen would look like in Nintendo Switch Online. But I'm honestly thinking that they'll probably just put all the Earthbound <laughs> games on one cartridge as like a commemorative thing, like what they did with Mario 3D. Also. And then not translate them into English. Here you go, commemorative cartridge. Oh, wait, you can't play this one either because you won't understand a single thing they say. Perfect. All right, so this, the games they're adding is, first there's Caveman Ninja, which is also known as Joe and Mac, which is a Super Nintendo one. The next Super Nintendo one is Magical Drop 2, which never saw an English release. It's a puzzle game. Then there's Super Baseball Simulator 1000. Like with most sports games, they're best played on Wii Sports so I don't really care. Then there's Spanky's Quest, which is a very odd name. It's about this monkey. It was originally a Game Boy game, but then they made a color version for the Super Nintendo, and that's the version they're porting over. I've and then heard the... of that game, actually, on a different podcast, uh, a video game music podcast my dad likes to listen to, uh, Volt Supreme. Very entertaining, but uh, probably that not came as good up as in ours. his podcast, and he was just laughing about it the entire time. And the last one is a NES a Japanese exclusive game called Ninja Jaja Marukun. And you have to rescue somebody named Princess Sakura, which is which almost is one letter away from being Sakurai, which is the head developer on Super Smash Bros. Coincidence? Most likely not. Sakura is Japanese for cherry blossom, my dude. I'm pretty sure it's Sakura, not Sakura. But we'll, we'll right, move well, past that. Never mind then. <laughs> It might. That is kind of a bit of a coincidence. I didn't realize, but I don't know. Pretty sure it's because that, yeah. Um, there are a couple of YouTube things I'd like to announce that aren't really news. But first, the acclaimed video game YouTuber Scott the Waz has just released his 200th episode, which is called like Borderline Something. It's a reference to the fact that around every single one of his videos, he puts like a blue border. And then the YouTuber Retro Gaming Now has just made a fourth Minecraft Iceberg video. 
you thought there wasn't any more content to cover, but then he found something online. He asked people in the YouTube community poll, which I obviously voted yes on, and the margin was 93% of the people who voted in the poll wanted the Iceberg 4. And he made it, and it's not as long or with as much stuff as the other three, but I'd still recommend checking out those three and the fourth one. But because Yoshimitsu had to leave early last time, we are going to continue our list. Sure, make it my fault. (laughs) I'm sorry. The first game we're covering is Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2, which I've played a bit of it, and it looks interesting. And I'm actually probably going to play that for the Switch next now that I'm done with Mario 3D World. And the character creator for that game looks absolutely amazing. I've seen people do some fun things with it. Actually, I heard that one of the like cardinal rules of video games is any video game that has a character creator in it, somebody will make Sans from Undertale in it. That sounds uh, accurate, yeah. And the promotional figure made for that one was Goliath, which was a basically like a giant version of Ant-Man. Not Giant-Man, because that was a different persona he took on. But Goliath was actually um, semi-referenced in Ant-Man and the Wasp when they're talking to Lawrence Fishburne, and he talks about Project Goliath. I mean, in the original comic, he was known as Black Goliath because a lot of African-American superheroes had a name with black in the name and they actually made a joke about that on falcon in the winter soldier where um this kid goes up to falcon and says hey are you black falcon and then he says no it's just falcon and then he says no 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 my dad said it's black falcon and then he said oh is it because i'm the falcon and i'm black and then the kid says yeah and then the falcon says so because you're black does that mean i should call you black kid that I didn't realize that was a reference to something in the comics, but um, well, it's a that's pretty funny. You can still appreciate the joke either way. I, I did. It, it's a good joke. That was a great series. Good job, Disney. Yeah. And they also created a character that was a fusion of the char- the villains Venom and Carnage, which there's actually a sequel to Venom called Let There Be Carnage coming out soon. Funny enough, but there's a character in that game named Carnum, and actually one of the scariest video game levels i've ever played is in the lego marvel superheroes original game because there's this level where you fight venom and then everything like flickers black and then venom's face is just in your face and it was amazing it's like it was one of the first video game levels that ever scared me and then lego harry potter years five through seven also has a very scary level where you're fighting off these zombified characters called in fury which are like corpses brought back to life by Voldemort and the next game is the Lego Ninjago movie video game which I haven't played but I've heard it's more open world than a lot of the other Lego games which mainly had a hub world that was pretty interactive but you also went from level to level the next one is Lego the Incredibles and a fun thing about this one is they also include a character from every other Pixar movie and you can play as Lightning McQueen in it so I can Pretend like I'm playing Cars the video game again. And actually, the track of the week that I shared on the Discord server was from Cars the video game. Because that that game is real, honestly really good. If you're not a big fan of the Cars universe, you probably won't get that much out of it. But 
I enjoyed it when I was young and I still enjoy it now. The promotional figure for it was Edna Mode, but then they also released her in the Lego Disney minifigure series too with an act with um, a hair and glasses combo piece that looks much more like her. Actually, side Edna note, Mode is probably my favorite Disney princess ever. <laughs> Except, uh, well, Pixar and Disney are pretty different, buddy. I mean, a lot of people Disney, group Disney and Pixar in the same group, but... Disney owns Pixar, though, don't they? Yeah, they do, but Pixar was actually originally a subsidiary of Lucasfilm. And actually, one of the founders of Pixar created the very first computer animated film ever. It was just like a model of a hand closing and opening. So what they did was they like traced this guy named Ed Catmull, one of the founders of Pixar. They traced like little polygon lines over his hand. This was back in 1973, by the way. So computers, to add, it, had, it had to take them a lot of power to run it. And they sort of like traced it into a computer system. Pretty interesting. The, that actually reminds me of this, getting on a tangent here, but this there was this meme I saw where it was a meme where it was it was referring to the way video game graphics have emerged. It's like 1996 with very polygonal graphics. It's like, oh my gosh, these graphics look so lifelike. 20, 2007 with very realistic graphics. I hate these graphics. They're so unrealistic. And then it was 2020. I hate these graphics. My PC can't run them. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, fair point. <laughs> I think that's really the only fair point out of those three. <laughs> yeah. I want the DX. All right. The next one is Lego DC supervillains, which made a little surprise. They brought back one of the Joker's most um, favorite voice actors. Well, but from the fans' perspective, anyway, Mark Hamill, who you probably is most is probably most well-known for his role as Luke Skywalker, but he also played the Joker in Batman, the animated series, and was highly acclaimed for his role in that. Before in the games, he was voiced by Christopher Corey Smith, who does the Joker in an amazing British accent. Actually, it's weird because I've heard the Joker in a lot of films with a British accent, which always confused me because I thought the Joker was American. I mean, he might have been British at some point, but but I always thought he was American. The promotional figure for that was Lex Luthor in a Superman-like armor. And there's actually a feature in this game where you can create your own hero or villain, I guess, and you work alongside the villains. I think the plot is like the heroes get kidnapped and the villains have to try their best to act good. I mean, it's, it's definitely something Lego would come up with. The next one is the Lego Movie 2 video game, which came out in 2019, and this is the most recent Lego video game. Um, it's also open world, kind of like the Lego Ninjago movie, and it has the dumbest promotional figure ever. It's just Starstruck Emmett, which is Emmett, but with a slightly different facial expression in one of those little star characters. It is like the most boring promotional figure for a Lego video game ever. And then the next game to come out, hopefully soon, is Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, which comes with Luke Skywalker with a blue milk stain on his around his lips like a milk mustache. I know I was just done ranting about how Emmett, like it's just a slight facial tweak, but I think the blue milk reference adds a lot. 
which actually reminds me of a Lego minifigure that I'm surprised Lego was never made. Like they've made Uncle Owen three times at this point, I think, but they never made Luke's Aunt Beru. And I'm very confused as to why. I don't think she was even in the original Lego Star Wars video games, which is also very weird. But that's about all there is for the main Lego game series. Sorry to have to wait a week so we could finish it. But Lego did make a couple of apps that were game-like. First, there was Life of George, which no one remembers. What it was was there was this um, character made out of Lego blocks. And you could you had to put him on like a honeycomb-looking metal plate. And then that would scan into like an AR game. Then there was a similar AR game called Lego Fusion, which nobody, which also nobody remembers. And then there was Lego Nexo Knights, which one of the big gimmicks of the Nexo Knights theme in general was that there were, that there are Lego shields that have like a little dot code on the outer rim of the shield. And if you scan them, you can put them into the game. I still haven't gotten all the powers because I've lost interest, but you can still get the app today, despite the fact that the theme was discontinued in 2019, I believe. Then Lego Hidden Side came out to kind of replace Nexo Knights and also add AR functionality, but I deleted that app even though I have one of the Hidden Side sets because it took up too much space on my iPod. But those also aren't the only Lego video games because there are also browser games. So for many years, Lego.com had a games feature and I found out that somebody on Reddit had posted these. You can download the games, but it's better to use them as a web link. Now, you might think, wait a minute, Tiger. I thought you didn't like emulation because you thought it was illegal. Well, these games were meant to be played free on the Lego website anyway. So it's not like I'm playing a Nintendo Entertainment System game that originally cost money that I'm playing for free on a website that I got there through the deep web or anything. I still think emulators themselves are very dodgy, but I'm glad Nintendo has basically released the NES games on all of the systems, so we won't have to worry about that. As for Nintendo 64 and GameCube games, well, hopefully we'll get more of those in the future. But some of the browser games that I, the ones that I highly recommend you most check out, and I'll probably put the link to the games in our Discord server if you're interested. First, there was the two that I loved most were Pharaoh's Quest, Curse of the Pharaoh, and Dino Outbreak, which were both 2D platformers. Pharaoh's Quest was like a theme centered around ancient Egypt, and Dino was centered around, well, dinosaurs. It was kind of like the Jurassic, the, the Jurassic Park idea, but a little different. And in this game, like the dinosaurs have broken out and you try to round them back up and there are these underground levels and caves. And then there's this level where you're sort of climbing up a mountain. Then there are these boulders falling down. And I think you have to, if I remember right, you're supposed to have to watch out for a pterodactyl in it. And then in the Pharaoh's quest game, there are these little boss battles where you fight the creatures from the game. And then there's one with a giant Anubis. Like, well, it's a sphinx, technically, but with an Anubis head, and he chases you, and you try to have to outrun him. And then there's a little scarab beetle. You have to try to make him ram his head in a tree so a coconut will fall on his head. Do that three times, and he's dead. But I think the platforming in both those games is exceptional. And then there's Creator Island, which is like a much more bland version of Animal Crossing, but I also found very fun. So what you do is you, like, um 
build Lego creator sets by taking like big chunks and then building them on top of each other. Then you take them down to build their second and then eventually their third iteration. And then you also have to build fighter robots to try to keep away that giant alligator and monster that are trying to attack the island. Then there's one that's a little more hard to play because I think it requires a Unity browser. And that is Lego Star Wars The Quest for R2-D2, but I remember that fondly. You could play as either Asajj Ventress or Anakin Skywalker, if I remember correctly. But then Lego Star Wars also had their own line of 2D platformers. Like starting in 2013, they made one for each advent calendar and there would be like a new level every week that sort of covered a, a different week of the well December season. And then there were a couple of other games that you followed this formula but weren't advent calendars. Either way, I recommend you look these up. And then there were also some games from the Lego Cars line that was a racing game and I remember the Lego Cars line fondly. I still have quite a few of the sets. I mean, they're not really built or anything, but yeah, that was one of my favorite Lego themes ever. That oil rig set is probably one of my favorite Lego sets of all time. And then there's also one called Spinjitzu Spinball, which is like a pinball game, but you play as the Ninjago spinning around. But then there's also that when the Lego movie first came out, there were also a set of games which were released for that website, thelegomovie.com. I don't think there's really any way to play these anymore. I don't think they're included because it only included games that were released up to 2013. Lego Movie came out in 2014, and even then it was on a separate website. But you could create your own levels in that game, and I had so much fun doing that and also playing other levels that were designed to troll you. And it was released a year before Super Mario Maker was. But then Cartoon Network, the website, also had a Lego game where you could create your own levels, which I thought was pretty fun. And that's about all the Lego browser and web games. But there is one more thing I'd like to do before we go through the other stuff. I wanted to cover themes that are based on Lego games or even farther, themes based off movies that were based off video games. So first, there's Lego Prince of Persia, which we discussed in our video game movies episode introduced the lego ostrich piece for the first time but there was also lego the angry birds movie sets which sold very poorly which is kind of sad because those sets honestly looked kind of cool and then in 2018 lego released lego overwatch sets which sold better and those sets also look really fun i'm kind of sad i didn't get any of them but then Lego Mario came out, and I actually got Lego Mario this Christmas, and he's fun, but get just the ones that kind of gets boring after a while because I think the main gimmick of it is you kind of have to make your own levels, and that would actually be fun because Lego Mario has these little tags on the back that he, he has a scanner between his legs that he uses to scan bricks and that he can use for detecting things, like if... You put him on something that's green, he'll detect it as grass, and it shows up on a little LED screen in his chest. Something yellow, he'll detect it as sand. Something blue, he'll detect it as water. But for the more dangerous things, there's red, which he'll detect as lava, and then purple, which he'll detect as poison. Recently, they announced that they're making a Lego Luigi set, which also looks pretty interesting. And that is about it for anything video game related that's also lego related i hope you non 
Lego fans still manage to get some enjoyment out of this, but I'm very sorry if you didn't. But we're going to get back into more common video game stuff. Before we go into our years in gaming, there is one little thing that I would like to mention. It's that Miitopia has finally released on the Switch, and I haven't played the full version, but I've played the demo quite a bit, making amazing characters such as Ross from Friends, Ron Swanson from Parks and Recreation, Jim Gaffigan, the composer Terry Riley. You know, all these completely random things that aren't really video game related, but that I really enjoy. But anyway, move us on to our year in gaming, Yoshimitsu. This year in gaming is 1998, which uh, was kicked off by uh, Resident Evil 2, released in uh, on January 21st. February 21st, the Game Boy Camera uh, came out, but not in the U.S. until June 1st. March 9th, Wario Land 2 came out, um, was released on the Game Boy Color on October 21st or February 10th. Uh, April 14th, uh, the Game Boy Light came out. Uh, July 14th, F-Zero X was released. October 31st, uh, the Contra Adventure. September 3rd, Metal Gear Solid. September 9th, Spiro the Dragon. September 12th, Pokemon Yellow, uh, not released in the U.S. until the 19th of October. And October 21st, the Game Boy Color came out, but not in the U.S. until November 18th. Uh, October 29th, Fallout 2 was released. October 30th, Grim Fandango was released. October 31st, Crash Bandicoot 3 Warped was released. November 19th was Half-Life. November 21st was uh, The Ocarina of Time, not released in the U.S. until two days later. November 27th, the Sega Dreamcast came out. Uh, Didn't come out in the U.S. until some... September 9th of the following year, uh, year. Hey You Pikachu came out on December 12th, uh, not in the US though, until November 6th of 2000. December 18th, Mario Party came out, but not in the US until February 8th of the next year. December 23rd, Sonic Adventure came out, and uh, at some point, the Super Game Boy 2 was released. All right. There was one thing I added later, actually today as a matter of fact and that was the neo geo pocket i didn't acknowledge some of the more obscure video game systems but snk who made the neo geo arcade system but also kind of re-released it as a smaller system later also made a pocket system and i don't really have information on any games about it but nintendo did recollect some of the games and put them on a switch cartridge so if you're interested in rediscovering that era of snk and if you have a switch then those games are at your disposal the neo geo pocket i don't know how many units it sold but i do know that it's sequel the pocket color sold two million so that was relatively good but today we are going to be celebrating a um, a home console and a handheld console with the Game Boy Color and the Sega Dreamcast. First off, with the Game Boy Color, it sold 118,690,000 units alongside the original Game Boy because people keep grouping them together even though they're different systems. Its best-selling game was Pokemon Silver, 
what's regarded as the best game is Legend of Zelda Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons. Nintendo was planning on making a third game in that series, but it was cut. The worst game was called Titus the Fox to Marrakesh and Back. And the last game released for it was Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, which released in 2002. But there were quite a few other games released for it, though not as much as some later systems. So first off, there was the first game in the Shantae series, which was one of the rarest Game Boy Color games. And it's coming to the Switch soon, so soon we'll be able to play every single Shantae game on the Switch, which I think will be very cool. Then there's Super Mario Bros. Deluxe, which is just the original Super Mario Bros., but with some screen crunch. And then there are a couple of other modes, one of which is where you try to collect all the red coins in a level, and then another where you try to race a boo. I think it's pretty fun looking, even though I've never played it. Then there was Mario Tennis. So the Mario Tennis and golf games on the handheld are more like RPGs than actual sports games. But I still think Nintendo did a good job with those from what I've seen of them anyway. Then Wario Land 2 and 3 were also headliners for this system. The original Wario Land was subtitled Super Mario Land 3. So technically Wario Land 2 is Super Mario Land 4 and Wario Land 3 is Super Mario Land 5. So if you want to get technical, Super Mario Land has six entries because there's also Wario Land 4. I mean seven if you count the Virtual Boy Wario Land because I've seen some people count that as sort of Wario Land 2 also. And then there was Kirby Tilt and Tumble, which is one of the very first handheld games to have sort of like gyroscope functionality where you could sort of just tilt the system around and then it would detect that it was built into the cartridge not the system itself because it couldn't quite get that in then there was also a mario golf game for the game boy color that was also a rpg and then there was pokemon gold and silver and later crystal which were the gen 2 games released on the system a lot of people say well not a lot of people but i have heard nathaniel bandy say that this is his favorite out of all the pokemon games and it's probably a lot of other people's favorite too even though i've never really played the pokemon games and then the super game boy which i think we talked about a little bit when we were talking about the super nintendo Nintendo released this revision only in Japan called the Super Game Boy 2, which could also play Game Boy Color cartridges. But if you wanted to play all three, you had to get a GameCube and then get the Game Boy Player. The Game Boy Player itself isn't that expensive buying secondhand now, but the startup disc is for some reason. It's kind of dumb. But the Super Game Boy Color itself can't play the Donkey Kong Country port for the Game Boy Color, which makes sense since there's already a... Donkey Kong Country on the Super Nintendo itself. But as for some other games, there was also Resident Evil Gaiden, which instead of being a first-person shooter, it's more like a side-scrolling game. Well, it's not side-scrolling. It's top-down. So what it is is when you're fighting a zombies, it's sort of time. Like there's a little cursor that goes back and forth on a bar, and you have to tap it at just the right time to beat the zombies. And I think it's definitely one of the most graphically impressive games on the Game Boy Color. So Dragon Quest Monsters got its start on this system. It's a spinoff 
of the Dragon Quest RPG series, but they're all but they're more commonly known as Dragon Warrior monsters because that was Dragon Quest's original Japan name. But I think that's about it for what we have on the Game Boy Color, mainly because I didn't do that good of a job researching it. But anyway, the next one is the Sega Dreamcast, which was Sega's very last foray into the home console market. It eventually resorted to becoming a publisher. At first for Nintendo, mainly with their Sonic and Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Game Series, but they've also done quite a few things on other consoles, like with Sonic Heroes, on the, which also released on the Xbox and PlayStation 2. But the Dreamcast sold 9,130,000 units. The, its best-selling game was NFL 2K. What's regarded as its best game is Soul Calibur. The sequel to Soul Calibur actually had Link as a playable character since it's a fighting game series. What's regarded as the worst game is Sonic Shuffle. So Sonic Shuffle is essentially Mario Party, but a whole lot less fun, if you want to get technical. The rarest game is called Cannon Spike. And the final game released for it, I mean, officially, was called Karis. And if you look at the cover art for that game, it is absolutely stunning. It's one of my favorite video game cover art pieces that I've seen. I mean, games are still technically coming out for it. Yeah, some third-party companies are releasing it. In fact, four games released for it just last year. Didn't have that much time to research some other games for it, but there was uh, Sonic Adventure 1 and 2. Sonic Adventure 2 has... As we've discussed on the very first episode, as a matter of fact, Sonic Adventure 2 has one of the best first levels, City Escape. And then Sonic Adventure 1 was also pretty good, but Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 also have deluxe ports for the GameCube. And I think there might be a couple of other systems it's on, but I can't quite remember. Sonic Adventure was one of the very first games ever to get DLC in Christmas and New Year's of 1999, Sega released some special downloadable content for it, which I thought was really cool. I mean, overall, the Sonic, the Sonic games aren't seen as that good. The cutscenes have a lot of funny-looking glitches in them. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, they made do with what they had. And then there is Jet Set Radio. I mean, speaking of Sega, it seems like they've forgotten basically all of their series except for Sonic and uh, Yakuza. It would be so cool if they brought back a lot of their old series. I mean, Ninja... No, Ninja Ninja Gaiden wasn't a Sega series, never mind. But, they brought back Streets of Rage. I mean, they did, but Sega didn't technically make it. It still counts. All right, well. But then there was Jet Set Radio, which is sort of a skating game where the goal is to spray graffiti it's it is a very 90s game despite releasing in 2000 it was actually originally released in america as jet grind radio because one of the main aims of the game is you grind on rails it has a very cool cell shading aesthetic kind of like um zelda wind waker and beautiful joe and the dreamcast itself actually has this feature in the controllers where there's like a little LCD screen that you like plugs into the back of the controller. And then sometimes a little symbol will flash onto it depending on what game you're playing. 
A couple of other famous games for the system are Shenmue and Skies of Arcadia. But I mean, I did, like I said, I didn't do much. I didn't do that good research on it. So if you have any other Sega Dreamcast games or Game Boy Color games we forgot that you wish we mentioned, either um, mention it on our Discord server or email us at geeksandgamespodcast at gmail.com. But that is about all I have for the years in gaming. So at, for this shorter episode, uh, Yoshimitsu, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on Lego Ideas as SpectreVamp. That's uh, uh, SpectreVamp with a capital S and V. Uh, if you supported my projects and dropped me a follow, that would be very much appreciated. Other than that, I can be found most places where our um, occasional co-host Plague Vamp is. Where can people find you online? You can find me both on Scratch and Lego Ideas as Woodstock05. And you can find me and Spectre Vamp on our Discord server, which will be linked in the description below. As for our non-existent host, Plague Vamp, he's also on that server if you want to get in touch with him. And you can also follow Plague Vamp on Twitch and YouTube. He said that he's considering quitting YouTube if he doesn't get a thousand subscribers by the end of the year. So if you want to see more fun Minecraft streams, I'd highly recommend supporting his channel. I mean, he hasn't been doing ones with a microphone lately, but there has been some pretty fun music in those. But anyway, as for this Geeks and Games episode, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.